Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton across the Outkick Network, which includes the YouTube channel and this great Outkick uh, radio partner you're listening to now uh, with Hot Mike. Chad, good afternoon. Jam-packed show as usual. Good afternoon, Hutton. So great to have you back. Great to be back. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, I feel incomplete uh, without well, you at times. I miss you as well. And now you have officially completed me. So <laughs> welcome back. Well, I'm back, and uh, it's great to be back. Time to, to hit some top headlines. We'll do that momentarily. We've got uh, Charlie Arnault, who will join us later in today's show. And coming up in 20 minutes, Bobby Carpenter uh, will be back with us. The, the top college football headlines is also the top headline for us today. Scorched Earth, the top headlines uh, across the sports landscape for Hot Mike. Chad, Pat Fitzgerald's future as head coach at Northwestern is definitely in question now. That's because the university president uh, did an about-face, at least through a statement, and said, look, he's been suspended for two weeks without pay while we review what's going on behind the scenes uh, with allegations, and now it's not one but two players at Northwestern who came forward to the Daily Northwestern uh, student newspaper that it's a sad state that we're in where the student newspaper is doing most of the digging here. But it's an investigation that's been going on since January for hazing and uh, various issues behind the scenes within the locker room uh, that took place while, you know, Fitzgerald is apparently not noticing any of it. I'm not buying that, and I don't think the university is either based on the details that have emerged. Uh, in in the form of hazing, the form of getting run, which was their version of see you in the locker room where they put on masks allegedly and dry humped each other. Like I, it's just it is bizarre, and the, the list of things that went into this uh, detailed report and uh, the university's statement on it lead me to believe that Pat Fitzgerald is going to have to figure out a way that uh, he didn't know about it, which is. Damning, but not as damning as if he did and allowed it to go on. Well, the the most troubling part, if true, in this whole thing is that the event, you know, in essence, a code red to steal the phrase from from a few good men was being ordered, and that Pat Fitzgerald was even motioning for it during games or practices uh, for the code red for the running as they called it to take place, the the hazing that was happening. Whether that's true or not, that's what some people are claiming. That you could see him saying it when a freshman would screw up during a game. This it's a crazy story because I thought it was over uh, yeah. on Friday when they announced a two week suspension. It was a bunch of nothing. Hey, what can we do to show that we care about it and do something to coach without really doing something to coach? Well, we'll take away two weeks worth of pay for the year where he makes an astronomical amount of money to coach Northwestern, and we'll do it during a dead period where nothing's going on. Okay, done. That problem's out of the way. Let's move on. Let's try to get this $800 million stadium built at Northwestern. Now the president, Michael Schill, is coming back and saying, eh, maybe not. I think I erred 
in the original punishment, and we probably need to do more. That's not good news for Pat Fitzgerald. There's a lot more to unpack with this. Uh, the all-male nude quarterback center exchange. Yeah, it's, it's more part than of just the, the running was, aspect. Was, yeah. was weird. Well, they called a running where veteran players would basically come in the locker room and dry hump you. Yeah. Uh, n- that was nude. a running. That was part that of the you running. you would be put into this dark room or whatever, and yeah. eight to ten upperclassmen would handle the hazing. They would wear masks. Yeah, it's and not stuff. like it's, running the stairs, you know, no, for no, no. screwing up. But, but uh, other things that were stuff. listed, you know, strip naked and bear crawl, uh, something they called the car wash, which is, in essence, the same thing as running, except you would go in and get hosed down while nude. You mentioned the naked quarterback center exchange. That's also being alleged here by one player and confirmed by another uh, former player. And all of this would be listed on a whiteboard, a dry erase board, according to this report, that names would be listed that uh, players had to go and see these upperclassmen that were doing this hazing. So I don't know how you uh, don't know what's going on. And then the clapping gesture that Chad just referred to is something that Fitzgerald allegedly did during practice. He'd clap over the head of the knowing player that what needs it to get meant. ran. Yeah, yep. knowing, knowing exactly what it meant. Uh, there's more to this. Bobby Carpenter will certainly weigh in on it. And I'll just say simply, it's hard not to read details of this and not think about the Big Ten and Penn State and, and why Northwestern should do an about-face and continue with this investigation because it's not just one incident. It may be one player, but that's still one too many. And it goes back to the highest-paid individual on campus at Northwestern who is the poster child and now the poster coach for the university. There's no one bigger and more powerful as far as coaching and former players go, than Pat Fitzgerald. And he's been overseeing this, even if he didn't know about it. And if he did, he's out. That second statement from the president shows me he's in trouble. That, that's really the bottom line of all of this, that I erred in my initial judgment and punishment. That is not good news. This would be like Rob Manfred, who came back years later <laughs> and said, I wish I didn't alleviate all possible punishment from the players if he did it a, a three days after that. This is the equivalent of that. Pat Fitzgerald's in trouble. So Bob Huggins is threatening a lawsuit to West Virginia based on what his attorney is alleging, which is that Huggins never actually resigned, that it was his wife who resigned over a text message and that West Virginia immediately ran with it despite efforts on Huggins' behalf to go to rehab and do some things following Uh, what is now his second DUI uh, charge. This happened about a year prior to his uh, departure at Cincinnati. Now it happens right after he was on Cincinnati radio uh, saying uh, gay slurs uh, live on on the air and doubled down on it in a second comment that morning a couple of months back. Chad, I don't know how... Bob Huggins is trying to play the card of victim here. And I also appreciate the fact that West Virginia used their own lawyers and said, hey, you know, we've been dealing with things behind the scenes. And speaking of behind the scenes, the statement didn't come from a text message. It was via email. And if you go back and read, it was was June 9th, June 10th, somewhere in there, when all this went down, Chad, he... He released a, a statement upon his resignation. I don't know how he comes back and says, hey, I'm, I'm requiring you reinstate me as head coach. Otherwise, I'm, I'm filing a lawsuit. Is there not a morality clause in his contract? This is so 
crazy of a story that I feel like if 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 Bob Huggins' attorneys, by the way, whose names are Bob Fitzsimmons and a guy named Rocky Gianola <laughs> is one of his legal representatives, which is absolutely perfect That's Bill for Bob Huggins in this story, that Rocky Gianola, who his lawyers are negotiating his resignation, and then after they're negotiating the resignation... Bob Huggins is threatening them with a letter that a he's going later. to sue them. And yeah. now the university doesn't want to talk to these lawyers anymore because they thought the whole time we were just negotiating the resignation that Bob Huggins wanted to go through. But no, it was Bob Huggins' wife that was resigning for him. This is a crazy story. Here's my response if I'm West Virginia. Oh, you didn't resign? You're fired with cause, you moron. Because you went on a radio show and used homophobic slurs. Then you got arrested while hammered in Pittsburgh not knowing you were there. Yeah. So there has to be a clause in the contract. If not, West Virginia really is the most backward state and university out there. I don't know a single multi-million dollar contract that does not include clauses for morality or arrest that could take place. So if Bob Huggins wants to play this game, why on earth is West Virginia not coming back and saying, oh, you, you rescind your resignation? That's good. You're fired. With cause, see you later. You can get your attorneys on that if you'd like. We have all the proof we need with the police report and with that audio of what you did on the radio station. We wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt. That's out the window now. See you later, Coach. Ren Baker. That should be West Virginia's response. E. Gordon Gee is there uh, as the, the West Virginia president. They released a statement following Huggins' statement back in June where he said, I think he ended it by saying, I'm going to spend the next few months working on myself and working on my health and, and you know, just being stable based on uh, what, what he's going through and everything involved with the resignation. They then, the, the higher-ups, released their own statement and said, we support his decision and, and worrying about his own health first and foremost, and we're going to move on in, with our coaching process. I don't see any gray area with that whatsoever and I'm, I'm curious as to how Huggins thinks he's just going to play the victim card which is what his daughter did on Facebook at a very emotional not even a plea just a, a rant that everyone was out to get Huggins that's not the case if anything West Virginia's backed the guy and the attorneys on West Virginia's side of this would certainly know the details behind the scenes of what they've done or have not done it sounds also like West Virginia may have given a very favorable contract to Bob Huggins that doesn't include any language for things like this. Well, but they reduced it to year-to-year. The year. attorneys have looked at it and now said, well, even with that reduction to the year-to-year -year contract, however, that contract must be on a cocktail napkin in terms of the wording. Yeah, because just the, in the statement. If the lawyers them. are releasing this big talk to them about what they're going to do, yeah. West Virginia may have signed a lemon of a contract <laughs> with Bob Huggins. We'll continue following the story, but I don't understand how West Virginia – doesn't just come back and say, no resignation, great, you're fired, see ya. Bizarre. And it, it, West Virginia holds, uh, holds the cards here, not, not Huggins. Chad, uh, speaking of contracts signed or not signed, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he has two offers right now. The New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. Over the weekend, going into the weekend, Kansas City's name is back into the mix. So there's three teams that are keeping tabs and, and trying to get a handle on whether or not the uh, one of the top wide receivers over the last eight or nine years now is going to be in their facility for training camp. Apparently, according to Mike Reese, who is in tune with all things NFL and all things New England Patriots, 
uh, for ESPN. He says that the Titans have been the most aggressive of the two franchises in their contract offer. Chad, no team is going to negotiate against itself. And my guess is the incentives are what make this more aggressive on the Titans' behalf instead of the Patriots' behalf. And oh, by the way, here come the Kansas City Chiefs who could also use the veteran wideout. And it would be viewed way differently if he joins Kansas City versus the other two on impact. He's had 1,000 yards receiving in six of his last eight years. And you drop him into the mix in KC, makes a total, uh, it makes total sense based on their depth chart. He instantly improves the big moments and the scoring options for Tennessee and New England. But Kansas City, to me, makes the most sense, even though they haven't offered yet. And it's because they, they're going to restructure and give an extension to Jones on the defensive line. And when they do that, that will free up salary cap space. Let me go ahead and do something right now, just for my own mental, uh, lack of mental fatigue moving forward yes. on this DeAndre Hopkins story. I want to go ahead and eliminate the New England Patriots from this mix, okay, for this reason. If the Mike Reese report is correct and the Titans have given the more aggressive contract offer to Hopkins, let's put the Patriots aside. This will now come down to a decision between the Tennessee Titans and whatever hypothetical contract, money maneuvering, witchcraft, magic work, or whatever it is that NFL teams do to get in a situation to sign a player they want that the Kansas City Chiefs will do with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't believe it'll be as much money as the Titans considering the Titans cap situation versus the Chiefs. But this is going to be a decision that comes down to money and a chance to win a division with the Titans by joining that team, but probably nothing else, or a chance at 31 years old to go win a Super Bowl. And that's what he has with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. It's really that simple of a decision. If this is true, this report, there is no way on earth I'm considering going to play for Mac Jones and with Mac Jones at quarterback in New England if the money's not as good as the Titans. If the money's the same or better, you have a decision to make between Titans and Patriots. But this is a capitalist country, and it's a capitalist league. If the money's better with the Titans... The chance to win a Super Bowl is better with the Chiefs. They haven't made an official offer yet. This is down to Titans and an eventual offer from the Chiefs. Those are the two teams. One of them will get DeAndre Hopkins. The other won't. The Titans will have a great chance at winning their terrible division with DeAndre Hopkins this year. They don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. We know about the Chiefs' chances to win the Super Bowl. They're good. Every year with Mahomes. Greg Popovich is a good coach. He's also the president of the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, less than a week after drafting the, the next, the heir to the throne in Wimanyama, here is uh, Greg Popovich with the Spurs, now becoming yet again the highest paid NBA coach uh, for all of the coaches that are in this pool. I, I was stunned to, to know that Monty Williams with the Pistons was the highest paid coach above Kerr and above Popovich at the time whenever he took the job in Detroit after getting fired in Phoenix. Popovich now elevates over what's reported five years, 80 million. And based on the language, it's assumed that he doesn't necessarily have to figure out a way to coach over the next five years, that he could just turn things over to a different coach and still remain president and still get every dollar that's in this deal. He's the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. He's a Hall of Famer. And now he's seeing the transition 
to the next era of the NBA, which is the number one overall pick that they inherit by being awful this past year? It's a lifetime achievement contract. I mean, let's call it what it is. He's not done well in recent seasons. The Spurs have not done nearly as well. It's the reason they have the number one pick and Victor Wimbanyama coming in. But this is a deal you give a guy who's had the success that Greg Popovich has had in a smaller market with the San Antonio Spurs, multiple championships. Yeah, five, right? This, is a, this to me, is kind of the retirement deal. You're going to get this massive or, or contract. Or to keep him from retiring. Yeah, or just to be in the organization. Like, you know, you yeah. are gonna, you're going to go on to be our Jerry West. Yep. Right? When, yep. when your coaching days it are over. It feels like that. We want you to coach as long as possible, but you are going to be the head of basketball operations for the San Antonio Spurs when you're done. That's what this deal signifies. Is Pat Fitzgerald going to be the head of Northwestern football? We asked that to Bobby Carpenter when we return. We'll discuss the, the overall mood and expectation for hazing. I just don't see these headlines anymore. Bobby certainly saw this throughout his career. That's next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike on this Monday edition. Hutton and Withrow with you across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, we're going to do a moonshine tasting later this week. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I feel like every now and again, Hutton, just to kind of get the senses going again, yeah. we got to ref- some new refresh here. our memories and our palate of the different moonshines here with Old Smoky. So we'll do that later this week. Bobby Carpenter is about to join us uh, momentarily, and we'll discuss all things Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald in a moment. Uh, Jay Monahan, the uh, PGA commissioner, he's actually coming back. I'm surprised based on him stepping away about a month ago, a little over a month ago. Um, he's announced that he's back July 17th, which is next Monday, and it will be the week of the Open Championship. This is all as... Congress is looking into the merger or however they want to rephrase 
the the deal between the PGA Tour and Live, and I'm very intrigued by the decision on Monahan leading things based on him being the villain and everyone else reacting to whatever he says or hasn't said behind the scenes leading up to this. Uh, he's clearly trusted by the board. He's definitely trusted by, by, by Saudi. And coming up, we'll find out exactly how much and whether or not it's going to be allowed uh, based on the hearings that will be taking place. Bobby Carpenter joins us each and every Monday at this time. Bobby, uh, college football analyst, uh, great work on SiriusXM and with us here on Hot Mike. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Uh, good to see you guys, man. It's always great to catch you up. And, and I don't know if it's you, but like the 4th of July being on a Tuesday makes it like the longest week ever when you start thinking. Most people hopefully start their festivities on Friday. And then it's like the longest weekend, a couple days off, and then right back into the weekend again. So finally feel like I'm recovering a little bit. It's uh, We're in that time of year, Bobby, where I feel like we're in a perpetual state of no rhythm, that there's no yeah. weekly rhythm to the way things are happening. You're getting football season, kids in school, there's a little bit more of a rhythm to life. And right now I feel like I'm constantly out of any type of routine or rhythm during these middle summer months. Well, I, I would say – I agree with you on that. Um, football season's easy, like, and it's because it's the same pattern, it's the same routine every day. So college games on Sunday or Saturday, NFL games on Sunday. You got some high school games Friday night, you know, and then your, the off days are spattered in between. And like for football installation, it was the same. You know, it's like third, your normal first and second down, do your third down, then you do your special situations, red zone, walk through, play a game, and you just wash, rinse, and repeat that. Maybe you throw a bye week in there. But in the media, it's a very similar uh, mode with the Monday night games, the Thursday night games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I always joke during the season. I say Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are my weekend days uh, during during the season because it's days I don't have to watch football. Usually I didn't do my XM stuff in the afternoon. So those were the only two days where I had some semblance of normalcy. Whereas right now, man, yeah, you got all kinds of stuff. You got concerts. You got this. You got vacations. You got trips. You got news coming out. Then, you know, we're going to have media days coming up here soon. Uh, but it's just a smattering of information, so you're trying to piece it together. However, we do have Wimbledon right now, which is pretty good. Bobby Carpenter with us on the Outkick Network. So, Pat Fitzgerald is Northwestern football. From, from the reports that you've read, the allegations, the reaction from Northwestern, is Pat Fitzgerald's job in jeopardy, Bobby, based on the allegations that former players are making right now about hazing? Well, you say former players. I mean, it's like a small pocket there. I think there's there's one guy that initially made it. I think there's someone else that kind of corroborated. Yes. There have been a number of players that have pushed back, and you have to think he's been there as the head coach, I believe, since 2006 or seven. He's one of the longest-tenured head coaches in college football. And, um, you know, full disclosure, I like Pat. I think he's a good man. I think he's done a heck of a job at his alma mater. I enjoyed watching him when I was growing up, you know, as a – middle linebacker for Northwestern, and I'm a, you know elementary school kid. Yeah. He was part of my recruiting visit to Northwestern. Uh, he coached for you know the, the late Randy Walker there before he took over after his untimely passing. But Randy was my dad's college roommate. I, mean, I, I have a lot of respect for, for Pat and how he does things, and I, I have a hard time believing that the severity of the allegations occurred um, – the severity of the allegations occurred with his knowledge. Like I got – I don't think that it was probably – the stuff happened in locker rooms all the time. 
stuff happened in the shower all the time. I mean, there, there's a million things I could document over the course of my career that I wouldn't even define as hazing because to, to me, hazing, there, there's like a, a consistent element about it. I guess it's more purpose driven. I, I don't know, like, like offhand doing stuff, like throwing soap at dudes, peeing in dudes' soap bottles and putting it in their <laughs> locker. Like, I mean, I'm just being real. Like, we can laugh about that. Like, if people talk like that's terrible. I'm like, those are things like that I saw. I mean, just all kinds of nonsense that would go on. You're talking about college, you know, we, they're young men, but like they're still kids at heart. And in most situations, in most teams I've been on, the coaches don't like to go in the locker room. And they tell players, like, this is your sanctuary. We'll only come in there if we really need something because you want to allow the players, when they're in there, to talk freely. If they've got a gripe about a coach that happened in practice and they're just blowing off steam because of this period in practice, the coach was an idiot or he was yelling too much or why are we running these plays? Like just little small stuff that guys like got to get off their chest. Sometimes you talk to the coach about it. Sometimes it's just, you know, you're just complaining to complain. And you don't ever want to be doing that and have your coach walk up behind you and hear it because it just, you know, it can lead to distrust. It leads to uncomfortability. And then, like, you'll never really be honest. And because and, guys in the, in the locker, that's where they have, like, some of their best conversations. And so I doubt Pat was probably in that locker room much. I doubt the coaches were probably in the locker room much. Did they maybe have an idea that something was possibly going on? Maybe. You know, is it, you know, something that was probably, like, portrayed as harmless? I, I'm guessing. Because I think if it was something more serious, I'm guessing Pat would have done it. I mean, after the age of everything that's happened, I mean, Pat's a smart dude. He went to Northwestern. He coached there. He understands how things work. And so I would really have a hard time believing the severity of those allegations and then the fact that there was either like a, a tacit complicity with it, with Pat Fitzgerald and the staff or whatever it might have been. And now I think Northwestern is just trying to backtrack because this is kind of blowing up a little bit right around media day. And I think they want to make sure if he's, you know, probably don't want him out there and Maybe they don't necessarily want to have to answer these type of questions on more of a national stage, because let's be honest. I mean, Northwestern, you know, I don't think they're really in contention this year for the Big Ten championship. Definitely not the national championship. So once the season starts, a lot of these things will fade into oblivion. Bobby, I think there are two types of locker room sports culture stories that are out there. One is the story that when it comes to light with the general public, it shocks the general public. But those who have been in locker rooms or have been around a sport hear the story and they think, that's not too unusual. That, that type of stuff happens all the time, and it's not really that big of a deal. Then there are the other stories that happen, and even those that are around locker rooms their whole life or played major college football, played the NFL like you, they hear the story, and Bobby, they think, boy, that's a little bit unusual. Where does an all-nude center quarterback exchange rank for you in terms of the allegations that are out there? When you hear that, do you think, yeah, that's unusual by any any set of uh, standards, anything out there in football. Or do you hear that and think, I could see where some lunatic on a football team would start that and then make every freshman quarterback and every freshman center go through it while they're in school? You know, I, I, that's the first time I've ever heard anything like that. Like, I've never heard of any. And, and here's the thing. And I was talking with uh, – a couple of guys today, one of the great things, Ohio State, there's a handful of guys that come back and lift. Some guys currently in the NFL and some of the guys who, you know, have gotten done, but they're around us. So we hear this stuff and we talk. And I'm like, man, if someone would have asked me to do that, when you're completely naked, like, dude, there's some things like that just aren't happening. And 
I mean, if you're going to try to encourage me to do that, then the next possible thing is probably me fighting you. Like that's like, so I'm not touching another dude between his legs with or without clothes, unless it's part of a quarter center exchange or something like that. Like that to me sounds way out of bounds. And I also like, I, I would struggle to believe that there's a hundred guys in the locker room and that nobody would be like, dude, we ain't doing that. Like, this is ridiculous. And that those guys would com- be complicit and do it and without being like, listen, man, I'm not, there's no zero chance in hell I'm putting my hands in his naked, sweaty crack and receiving a football. Like, that just isn't going to happen. So I, when I heard that, that with her was a little more shocking to me. But I also found it when I, I heard about it, like, this is something that these two guys who are 18, 19 years old would have had to willingly participate in or either say that, no, fight back or whatever. And I can't imagine that that would have taken place in the last 20 years. And it, uh, the the culture of hazing has changed, even like on the, like I would say the obvious level. Like everyone's heard stories of guys getting taped to goalposts, right? Or having to carry in pads. That rarely happens now in the, in the NFL. That would happen all season long for rookies. That's how like, low-key it's been where it's not even really thought of anymore at best guys go get food for the vets on team planes and and show up with you know what whatever burger joint is requested when, i mean when did you really see the turn of locker room hazing versus what it used to be yeah you know, i played for bart uh parcells my rookie year um i mean he's about as hardcore as you, you're gonna get and he's like listen no hazing and like to me, the, I think to him and those guys, like hazing was terms of like psychological f- or physical torture slash abuse. Yeah. Like, and there's, I think, I think there's, and I will say this: everybody refers to hazing as such as a terrible thing. And Bill Belichick, then at the end of my career, he goes, "Listen, we're not hazing anybody in here." He goes, "But there are initiations. Like, you've got to get up and do a rookie show. You've got to get." Right. And like, well, guys might be uncomfortable singing their fight song. Like, people are like that's that's cruel for a grown man who is going to be making in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to play a sport for him to get up and stand on a table and sing his college fight song while guys boom for a minute and a half. I don't, I wouldn't define that as cruel and unusual punishment, but there are people out there hunting. It's like, oh, no, well, that's torture. They may have yeah. anxiety for being in public. Hey, you're going to be out there. And this is the, and this is part of the reason why guys are so hard on each other in the locker room, because during a game, I want to know, that despite everything else that's going around, like the fans are yelling at us, we could have just blown a third down, whatever could have happened, that you're going to be able to put all that crap aside and be able to go and perform. And so if you're going to get sensitive, guys would come in five minutes late, you know, late for when they you would normally get there. And it's like, hey, what, what's going on? Sleeping in today? You know, and then guys would come like, well, you know, my kid was sick and this and that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sensitivity, fine. You can't handle it. Like, you didn't even need to respond. Just keep on walking. And laugh at it and say, yeah, guys, sorry, my bad. And just keep going. But you want to explain it all and the guys get personal. And you can't do that because you have to be able to put all of your personal feelings aside when you're playing a game and you listen to people yell some of the most obscene and terrible things from the stands where you're trying to get corrections and it may only have 45 seconds to do so before you've got to get back out on the field again and to go win a football game and get a stop or go get a score or whatever it might be. And so the initiation process is proving that in those small groups, that you're able to earn the trust of the people around you because you're willing to do something that might make you a little uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about having two naked dudes snap a football to each other. Right. That's yeah. ridiculous. But getting taped to a goalpost, getting dunked with water, 
carrying somebody else's pads, going and getting food, bringing in coffees in the morning from Starbucks, like getting your head shaved. Like that's all part of it because everybody else has done it. And it's part of the process of being able to say you went through it just like it is going through a camp because it's so much easier now. I mean, last year they'd gotten rid of two days, they'd gotten rid of this. Like it's really hard to def- define and determine the character and what the type of person is that you're with because you never have to see them struggle during practice or anything else. So Paul Feinbaum says that if Ohio State loses to Michigan this year, Ryan Day is going to be on the hot seat. That's the speculation. Are you buying that at all? Um, hot, hot seat's an interesting term. I would say, yeah, well, there'll be pressure. I'd say there'll be a heck of a lot of pressure at that point. I don't think if he loses this year, he's going to get fired. Um, unless it's just, I would say it would have to be that coupled with, you know, a nine and three, eight and four season and you get smoked by Harbaugh up there. Like if it's like this year and you go 11 and one, that's your lone loss, you know, and this year, Hector, a missed field goal away from beating Georgia and probably winning a national championship. Like, are you willing to fire a guy like that? I think Ryan understands the gravity of it. He understands how important it is to beat your rival. You know, hot seat's an interesting term. Yeah, there'll be pressure. I think there's pressure on him now to win that game. And I think he openly acknowledges that there's pressure on it because there was an unprecedented 20-year run that he just got dropped into and had to do with COVID. Now he's in NIL and all this other stuff. But nobody cares. They just want to see people win that game. And almost to the point where you don't almost rather win that game than win a national championship, which it doesn't necessarily make sense all the time. But there is some truth and feeling to that. And so I, I completely get that as well. But I would say, yeah, hot seat <laughs> for whatever, the, however you want to define it. Yeah, there'll be a lot of intense pressure and scrutiny on Ryan. Should he not be, should Ohio State, not him, Ohio State not be able to win that game? And this is something we brought up hypothetically with you back in January. Had they met for a national championship game in the college football playoff, what would have happened if Michigan won twice? in the same season and won a title over Ryan Day. Bobby, always great, man. We'll catch up in a week, and in the meantime, we'll catch you on SiriusXM. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby Carpenter, college football analyst. Uh, Skip Bayless has his wish list of hosts to replace Shannon Sharp, and there's one guy at the very top that's next. Hi, Mike. Honey Withrow rolls on from 6th and Peabody and across the Outkick Network. Show's YouTube. flying by, Hutton. You this can Monday uh, show. Flying search by. out Outkick on YouTube. Hope you'll subscribe there. We've got uh, Charlie Arnold who will join us later in the show. That's coming up uh, in a little over uh, two hours from now, a little less than two hours from now, I should say. Um, a, a lot to dive into there whenever she joins us. Chad, we had a topic, I don't know, Hey, speaking of yeah, topic, just one future topic later in the week I want to get to. Go ahead. My latest Indiana Jones review, because I got a chance to oh, see it we yesterday. May, we may have time for it later today. At some point, I just want to give a quick spoiler-free review right, of good. this movie that I'm all for it. just got crushed by critics for the like month-long buildup, and then it kind of evened out. Once it started to come out and other people started to review the movie. I actually saw it. Yeah, it was more <laughs> of a, well, it was a mistake to premiere an Indiana Jones movie by Disney at Cannes. That's my take from it. Yeah, The crowd at Cannes is not looking for the latest Indiana Jones movie, so it got predictably crushed by critics. I don't, I don't think it's very bad. I, in fact, I think it's pretty good. So I'll give my review later. 
I can't wait for this. Full, because full you're review right. coming it, later. It was across the board trounced. And it doesn't seem like that. Hunt had only got somewhere. a 17-minute standing ovation. Okay. That's how yeah, much that, they hated yeah, it yeah. at Cannes. They said, we will only stand for 17 minutes and not our customary 27-minute <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon standing ovation. You only get 17. Yeah. I may be part of that later uh, in the fall whenever that movie drops. Uh, Skip Bayless would give a standing ovation to this hire to replace Shannon Sharp. Charles Barkley would be my dream debate partner on Undisputed. I would dive out of bed every morning out here in Los Angeles at 2 o'clock in the morning to get to work with Charles. Please, Charles, please come and please work with me, me, this damn idiot. Please. What, what a joy it would be to do battle every day with Charles Barkley live on television. I, I could semi-retire. I could mail it in. I, I could, dare I say, actually have a life and forget about prepping so furiously hard night after night after night for every day's undisputed. All I'd have to do is let Charles go first and listen to him make a fool of himself. I'd get to sit back and watch him walk himself right into an indefensible trap. I wouldn't even have to try. So please, 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 Charles, come be this damn idiot's debate partner. Please let me annihilate you on a daily basis. There's Bayless there on his podcast. And for those that don't know, Barkley's been on uh, the, the opposite end of this in regards to Skip Bayless calling him a damn idiot uh, over the course of uh, several occurrences on TNT, NBA TV, and others. Uh, Shannon Sharp's out. They're looking for someone to sit in that seat. Barkley and Bayless don't like each other. It would be the perfect fit based on that. It would be a windfall for FS1 and Undisputed with Bayless if they land Charles Barkley, who's starting his own CNN show, and uh, certainly has never been short of opinion and, and basing it off of his knowledge behind the scenes or facts that are out there and comparing the two. Some don't do that. Bayless is very good at what he does. Um, he's 71 years old, which stuns me when you say, like, uh, there should be a, by the way, there should be a rule. If you're 71, you're not wearing a chain the way he wears the chain. Like, there, there, should, just, there should be an age cutoff there. Uh, side note. Let's make, that, let's make that age cutoff 45. Whatever it I needs think to 45 be. would be the appropriate age cutoff for that chain that he was wearing. What, yeah, what, a full whatever. 26 years before he reached the age of 71. It was probably a gift from Lil Wayne, for all I know. But it's not going to be Barkley. Barkley's not going to do this. They need someone like that because the combative style of both would be highly entertaining. And that's what this is. This is manufactured debate, uh, prepping all night based on you know, whatever topic you receive and then coming up with something to debate across the table from, even if you're not 100% behind it, which is BS, but it also garners ratings. Congrats. But it's just not going to be Charles Barkley because I don't think Charles Barkley can be told what to say or what to do. Well, and Charles Barkley likes the job that he has, and he's, uh, that's a real family-type atmosphere uh, with inside the NBA. And, and Charles Barkley also, I, I don't believe, is in a hurry – 
to show up and work at the amount of hours, the amount of shows that Skip Bayless works every day. Yeah. Given his lifestyle and wanting to play golf and wanting to do different things, uh, I was surprised he signed up for the CNN show. Honestly, I thought he just liked the life that he had, where he gets to travel around, he gets to play golf with famous people, and he gets to do a few inside the NBA shows throughout basketball season and throughout the playoffs, and then be done with it and appear on shows and podcasts that he wants and not doing anything else that he doesn't want. So it's a pipe dream by Skip Bayless. It would be an incredible show. Yeah, I think both would do a really good job. I do respect Skip Bayless's grind and his work ethic and what he does and how he goes about it. I don't respect that chain that yeah, he was exactly. wearing. I also don't respect the fact that it looked like it was a forced reading of a hostage video as he's reading the love letter to Charles Barkley and that the video of that, he's got all of his notes in front of him. And the way he's reading it, I thought he, at the end he was going to tell Charles Barkley to pre- please bring a million dollars cash in a black duffel bag to LAX in this garage at this time and bail me out. I thought the whole setup was a little strange as he made his, his plea for Chuck. Well, this is the same set wherever he was going back and forth with Stephen A. Look, he is right to want to woo Charles Barkley to that show. Yeah. That is the right choice. That is the home run, not the home run, the grand slam of all grand slams of hires for FS1 to bring Charles Barkley to Skip Bayless and let them debate every day. That is a, that's the best hire anyone could make. So Skip Bayless is right with that. I don't think it's possible. I don't think Charles Barkley would sign up for that level of work and th- that many shows. The one I would talk to now that's realistic, that just got laid off by ESPN, is Jalen Rose. I think Jalen Rose is also angry enough and has to be right about everything that on a debate show like that every day with Skip Bayless, it would lead to some very uncomfortable exchanges. Yeah. And I'm here for that. You know, when when Shannon Sharp doesn't show up for work, we end up talking about it for a week or two. So I'm here for that level of uncomfortability between those two. I think that would make for an entertaining and uncomfortable show. I, I Prediction? Yep. I think it's Keyshawn Johnson, who was also just released. I think that'd be a mistake. Well, I, I, I don't think Jalen Rose. I think Jalen Rose is more on the Barkley camp of not doing it personally. Just saying no because it's Bayless. But wouldn't you go Jalen Rose before Keyshawn Johnson? No. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you're also moving to LA, right? I think there are things to that. Yeah. Uh, the CNN show that Barkley's doing is in Atlanta, where he where he lives. Yeah, you know that, that makes total sense too. And he's, I mean, he's without a doubt the hand that mic drop aspect of that show. But Bayless creates stars. Just ask Stephen A. Stephen A. wouldn't be where he is without Bayless, and he's admitted that time and time again. And Stephen A. doesn't have a lot of bad things to say about. And Skip Shannon Bayless. Sharp quit the show, and still on his last day mentioned that the same way Stephen A. did, right? You, yeah. you garner attention and you get a hefty contract by being on camera with Skip Bayless. But he's right. you got to get up super early. That would suck. 2 a.m. And he's prepping all night. And then hopping. Yeah. Well, shoot up out of bed at 2 a.m. <laughs> if it was Charles Barkley's co-host. Chad, you uh, know what I would do if I was Skip Bayless? Semi-retire. <laughs> I don't think he can retire. Well, that's what he just said. He's like, I could easily semi-retire. I could, I could call it quits. And I'm thinking, yeah, you could. I think he got the money to go ahead and yeah. call it a career. I, he's just wired. I'm just telling you what I would do at 71 years old. He views it as a hobby. Props to him for that. You know? Good for him. Uh, 
looks great. Looks great in that chain. Yeah, seventy-one. <laughs> he looks Barkley sixty. I mean, he looks sixty-five in the chain. So that took a good six years off his look. You didn't see the Jordans he was wearing. Good job. <laughs> I'm sorry, fifty-five with the go. vintage eighty-four Air Jordans. Yeah. Uh, Demora Smith's the outgoing NFLPA executive director, and he's been in place for quite some time. He he was a part of the negotiation as the executive director back in 2011 with the collective bargaining agreement with Goodell. Uh, on his way out, he's co-authored an article uh, with a student from Yale, I believe, uh, that suggests what the NFL should do moving forward in hiring practices for coaches and do away with the current Rooney Rule policies that are ongoing. And the the specific suggestions that he mentions admit that the Rooney Rule isn't working or hasn't worked, adopt a consistent and fair approach to hiring, eliminate any rules that require coaches to seek permission from their current organization in order to interview with another organization. And among the other things, appoint an outside monitor to to audit hiring practices and more. Um, Where it was versus where it is, is a ton better. And I stand and, you know, I sit here today and think, NFL owners are going to hire the coaches that they believe will win. I don't know of a situation where you hire a coach who, as an owner, you actually think there's someone better and you don't go ahead and hire that coach because the other guy, well, he's not good and you're going to lose more. Like that, that just makes no sense to me. There is retread in the league, not nearly as much as we see in the NBA, Chad. And for that reason, I think the NFL has made steps to make it more of a level playing field when it comes to interview process. But when it's all said and done, as the owner of this business of an NFL franchise that's worth up to $10 billion and growing, Chad, they should be able to interview and hire whoever they want, regardless of rules that are in place. And if you say, well, it's just a, it's a sham interview, well, in that regard, Demore Smith is right because they're following the policy regardless of who they want to hire. In requiring some sort of quota for hiring for certain jobs based on, you know, black, white, Hispanic, male, female, right. whatever, that's not fair either. There's nothing fair about that when you're talking about the identity of someone and saying, you must hire X number of this person for, for these jobs or whatever. That's also not what's fair and just. And I really don't know how you make people – let me, let me go back. There's an issue at times with people knowing what's best. People make bad decisions, but those decisions aren't always based on racism or the race of the person, right? So what is the best possible candidate for one billionaire owner versus another billionaire owner, and who are they hiring? Yeah. To Demora Smith's point, he's not wrong about the Rooney Rule not really working to the level they want because what he really wants to see And what this paper is saying is, this is the fundamental question that they have to ask, and I don't know the solution to it. How do we get white billionaires to believe that a black coach is the best possible option for them more often than not? And that in itself is creating a racist dilemma. 
Because then you're saying, we want them to choose the black coach over the white coach. But we got to get them to believe that the black coach is the best possible well, candidate. Because we're all sitting here saying, which should be the thing, hire the best candidate. Hire who can help you win more than anyone else. Regardless of race, creed, whatever. That's what we want. But then the solution is what? We're going to make you hire a certain race? That's not a solution for anyone. That doesn't work either, and that's not what's fair and just or right. So how do we get white billionaires to hire more black coaches? That's really the question they're asking. And Hutton, I don't know what the answer to that is, because like you, I don't believe that these billionaire NFL owners are saying, you know what, uh, we got a tie here, let's hire the white guy. Right. I don't think they're thinking that. No. And I think they believe these are the best candidates they're hiring at the time of what's available, and it's breaking out this way, and that's not the, that's not the desirable spot for what DeMora Smith and what the Rooney Rule wanted. Well, one of the things is to pre-screen the interested candidates to make sure that they qualify for, for application. I'm thinking, did John Harbaugh qualify to be the Ravens head coach as a special teams coordinator? No, because everyone was being hired as a offensive or defensive coordinator. But that's worked out. There's many more headlines to come, including Bob Huggins trying to play the victim card based on resigning, which he says he didn't do. How's that happen? What's next? What's next?